Thanks. And on today's episode, we have Anders and Stellan. How are you, Stellan? Hi there. I am fantastic as always. And you, Alex? I'm good. I'm good. And uh, and you, Anders? I'm very well. So, so we're going to talk about uh, content and specifically knowledge content. I work as a content creator here at Suma, and um, when I say I'm a content creator, some uh, friends and families don't really know what I work with because there are so many different things you can work with content. And and Suma, we help customers to build knowledge portals and learn sections. So Anders, I would like you to define what what kind of content do we work with at Suma and why? As always, I'll try not to answer your question. I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it like this. In a world where everyone has claimed for more than 20 years that content, content is king and context is king and blah, blah, blah. Everything should always be king when you talk about what you think is something new. I'd like to start in the direction of relevance rules. Whether you're in a hurry or you want to get something with speed or for joy or pleasure or entertainment, relevance is, is uh, very important. And many years ago, we started discussing content on most B2B companies. And we found brand guides and we found uh, brand strategies and we found a lot of nice things exactly the similar in every company and about the same words with passion, professional and so on. But when, when you were about to um, do product information or when you were about to do um, this, this is an article based on insights. This is a video where you claim knowledge or thought leadership, etc. Then it started to get a bit blurry in those guides and policies and guidelines and everything else. Discussion where we said, is there a difference between and content, commercial content, editorial content, educational content? And by the way, shouldn't there be something that should be classified as knowledge content? That's a good spin on a very simple question, isn't it, Alexander? And, and, and in our world, <laughs> um, knowledge content has very, very high relevance in, in most so-called decision journeys and, and buyer journeys and whatever it's called. It, because it's, it's based on that someone has a challenge, a problem or need. And it contains of relevant insights, answers, guidance, and it, and it might be guidance on why, how, and what. Uh, and it must be aligned with and apply to meet customers' challenges, problems, and needs. So, so what we did was starting to experimenting with the differences between the sort of five different types of content mentioned. And Stellan, what's your input on, on these five types of content? I think it's like sort of a simple difference or, or how you can identify it is knowledge content uh, is that it's much more geared towards these, these questions that you have early on in the customer journey. And historically, most companies have been pretty bad at providing that sort of insights. Uh, as Anders was sort of spinning around uh, in the beginning there as well, we many companies talk, talk, talked about thought leadership, 
Um, and, and that was sort of on a very academic level uh, for most. Uh, whereas knowledge contents is more hands-on, more practical, something you can use. So it goes down to this sort of classic example almost of when you're when you're trying to, um, you know, um, put a hanger on your wall. Are you looking for a drill or are you looking for a hole? And um, and most companies have been really good at describing the, the drill and providing all sorts of documents and videos and everything about the drill, but not so much about how you create the perfect hole in the wall. Uh, that's where really knowledge com content comes in and complements all your other types of content and uh, sort of amplifies and improves how you win online in today's environment where uh, most people same, professionally and privately start online. And at the same time, I would say, Stellan, that practical doesn't mean that sort of how to drill or make the hole be because most of the decision makers that we meet, uh, or many of them, can look for the perfect strategy. And then that's the very, very practical thing for them. They, they are very aware of the whys, but how should I digitalize? Or how should I be more sort of, uh, excuse the expression, but modern in our sales work or our commercial work, uh, and what should we do? Then, then it again with knowledge content is it needs to be a credible author who, who seems to be an expert or perceived as an expert. And then I don't mean that you should fool them, but you need, if you check that expert's LinkedIn background, does he seem credible when I compare to the challenges that I have? Who is this person connected to and so forth? Because it doesn't have to be practical, like how to service something. Uh, it can be very, very practical from a strategic perspective. And, and I have to say, I hope they're all gone now, but, but so many B2B companies were running around talking about thought leadership. I, I'm certain you will make us come back to, to knowledge content, Alexander, but that can sort of be our personal Jesus in thoughts. If, if I look around online and look at the people who pretend to be thought leaders, not that many that impress me, but when I look for people who may be unaware are knowledge leaders, they are very, very useful to listen to. Uh, they have very understandable how and what's. While when, when everyone was, everyone, I shouldn't say that, but lots of people were trying to be sort of guiding us in our thoughts, uh, very few, at, at least from my perspective, I, I don't know from your perspective, Salon Alexander, how often you get impressed by people's visions about the future, or I don't know. What do you say? I say that uh, I, I'm impressed only when people also manage to sort of live by that vision. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of be on an obvious path towards that vision. Because yeah. otherwise you have lots of companies who just try to sort of, well, today it's a popular thing, so, so to speak, is to talk about greenwashing, which is sort of the same thing, but when it comes to some sustainability and um, environmental questions. Like uh, you, you talk a lot, but you do absolutely nothing, uh, and then it's not credible. So... Someone like Elon Musk doesn't you know, pretend to be a thought leader, but 
his knowledge and his vision for the future is exactly in the direction in which he's leading his many companies. So, yeah, I full, fully agree, and I think it's 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 interesting um, with how few that can differ PR. Uh, and what you describe it's it's very easy that you fall into the trap that right now people want us to be like this so we better say that this and this is important that's most likely a third discussion alexander sorry for sorry for spinning away from our knowledge content but maybe you can make it yeah it's an interesting uh, conversations uh, you you both both mention um, knowledge leadership and thought leadership and and knowledge content producing knowledge content the really objective there is to create employees who are not to become knowledge leader in their industry and unders like why why is why do we do that why is it uh, important to become a trusted knowledge person I mean, some would say an obvious answer, but but I think our answer at least is that we know that there are a lot of organizations, companies, individuals, teams that want help with how and what. And then then you might say that that, that you could say, oh, let's let's provide some stuff so that they buy from us. I do not think, I do not believe that that is how relations work. I think it's important from an internal perspective to feel that you, whether you are a specialist or a generalist specialist, uh, it gives you confidence that you provide things that you know more and more of. It's from an internal perspective important that, that you dare to provide uh, what you know. But if, if we look from the true perspective, the external perspective, ah, very good. There I found what I needed and what I was looking for. Hmm, good idea. Ah, good template or, or whatever it is. Good example. They don't have to buy from us. They don't have to hit the send an offer, get a quote, uh, book a meeting, Relations are long-term. If you help someone that you don't know, the implication of that is that it might be a higher possibility that they return to you uh, for guidance or help, but it's a long-term thing. If you try to do knowledge content short-term, hit the button, call them, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't believe in it. Then it's PR or bullshit. I know you both uh, meet with... Uh management teams in larger b2b businesses and how is this id perceived by them what what do they what challenges do you think uh, stellan that uh, prevents companies to actually create knowledge content a couple of years ago it it used to be well if we bring our uh, skilled and knowledgeable people who develop our products and, and uh, deliver our services and so on, and we, if we bring them online, our competitors will poach them. That was a, a very common theme. So, so we have to, you know, we could do it, but we have to present it as it's sort of from the brand. We, we, can't, we cannot build 
this person as a skilled and knowledgeable person. That has changed uh, because it's been proven that you need to be personal and individual and verifiable and everything in order to sort of reach uh, maximum sort of potential with your knowledge content. So now it's much more about understanding that knowledge content is how you get a seat at the table. So when the sales process has moved to being um, primarily online, um, both in B2B and in B2C, you have to be discoverable. And so if, if the only sort of exception might be if you have uh, the highest brand awareness ever, then, then you might be able to ride sort of the wave of that for a while more. Um, but for everyone else, uh, that when you, if you're not on the, the top one, two list, uh, you won't get the question unless you have, uh, you position yourself with knowledge content so that someone can find you. And, and build trust in you that you can also deliver. So, uh, so I think that's where the sort of educational challenge is, is to more explain the principles of why it's important to do it. And uh, the past year, um, I think has sort of helped in that. M many more organizations now understand that they have to do this. And uh, especially with all the canceled physical events and so on that, that uh, it's online where you need to have a presence and the knowledge content is a key component in the customer journey. Do you agree, Anders? Yes, I agree. And I, w I was sitting thinking uh, while Stellan was speaking and, and decision makers loves figures. So if there is one decision maker uh, in any company listening right now, I'll give you something to think about. If you want your company be, to be relevant, that, that you sort of get trusted long-term by providing knowledge content for your prospective or potential or existing customers and existing customers. How many percent of the man hours that you spend on this today do you need to do tomorrow? And I'll give you a figure. Whatever type of B2B company you are, 7% of your staff's man hours need to be spent on providing knowledge content for your potential and existing customers. And that I say, well aware that in most of the companies that I'm thinking about, very few have more than 1% in marketing communication budget. And now I'll tell you that if you want to succeed in this, 7% of all man hours spent internally needs to be spent on knowledge content. If you get interested, send me an email and I'll explain it for you. Very easy mathematics. 7% and you win, less, less chance that you win and become relevant. Great. I think that's a, that's a great summary of, of this episode. You never heard that one before, Stalin, right? Not to 7%. That was new for me. So I have to go back and check. <laughs> a lot of things come back to, come to me when you sit and talk. The 7% rule is just launched. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, recording this kind of knowledge content, Stellan and Anders. Thank, thank you, Alex. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, 
or you can subscribe to it on suma.sc. Thank you very much and bye bye.